Neurological and cognitive disorders, as well as mental illness, have long been misunderstood, misinterpreted, and feared. Throughout the years, the American Psychiatric Association has discovered and sometimes removed clinical diagnoses that end up in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Each week, my co-host and I will bring you a new disorder and provide you with all the information you need to better understand how the human brain works. This is Psyche Saturday. On this Psyche Saturday, we begin our journey into the Cluster C personality disorders. These are the personality disorders described as anxious and fearful. And today we are discussing avoidant personality disorder. I am Sarah, and I have with me Dan. Hello, I'm Dan. So nice to meet you. It's so nice to meet you. Finally. Finally. I mean, I've been listening to your podcast for so long. Oh, thank you. Yes. I appreciate it. Yeah. So ready to learn about avoidant personality disorder? I am. I am. When Sarah first told me that this was the subject of uh, the next few episodes, I was really excited because um, I'm, I'm interested in learning about these disorders. Yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. According to the DSM-5, avoidant personality disorder, or AVPD is characterized by a pervasive pattern of social inhibition, feelings of inadequacy, and hypersensitivity to negative evaluation. To be diagnosed, an individual must fit into at least four of the following criteria. One, avoiding occupational activities that involved significant interpersonal contact because of fears of criticism, disapproval, or rejection. Two, unwilling to get involved with people unless certain of being liked. Three, showing restraint within intimate relationships because of fear of being shamed or ridiculed. Four, is preoccupied with being criticized or rejected in social situations. Five, inhibited in new interpersonal situations because of feelings of inadequacy. Six, viewing of self as socially inept, personally unappealing, or inferior to others. And seven, unusually reluctant to take personal risks or engage in new activities because they may prove embarrassing. So in my eyes, AVPD is the exact opposite of narcissistic personality disorder. Yeah. Certainly sounds like it. Right. People with AVPD may decline job promotions because they believe the new responsibilities may result in criticism from coworkers, or they may avoid making new friends unless they're absolutely sure they will be accepted and liked without criticism. 
These individuals believe others are critical of them unless proven otherwise through stringent tests, and they do not engage in personal intimacy often due to being unsure of true, uncritical acceptance. So how does AVPD differ from social anxiety disorder or any other sort of anxiety disorder that we see a lot of the general population having? They both center around fear and anxiety regarding criticism from the outside world. However, according to Himadi et al.'s 2019 study, so very recent, they found that the difference is probably due to social anxiety disorder being a simple form of mental disturbance with anxiety at its core, but that avoidant personality disorder is possibly a much more complicated psychopathology. So social anxiety is something that can kind of, I want to say, come and go and just the, the, the anxiousness and is, is at the core of it. And it's just it's not so much about like being criticized. It's just about what's going to happen out there. Whereas avoidant personality disorder is really they are so scared that they are going to be judged and judged poorly that they don't even want to go out into the world. Yeah, and those are obviously distinctly different things. And I mean, I think anyone who has enough experience interacting socially can tell the difference between the people who may or may not be a diagnosed uh, anxious person versus someone who could be diagnosed with avoidant personality disorder. There's, there's definitely that big difference. You know, people with anxiety, whether they're diagnosable or they just are a stressed out person, yeah, I think it. there's a distinct difference between those people who will get stressed out about various things versus the people who feel constantly judged. Right. Yeah. And I'll get into this in a, in a bit, but, like, you know, it's a very common thing for people to be introverts or shy or just not want to really expose themselves. But a lot of them still attempt to take chances in in relationships and uh, work, you know, things like that. But with avoidant personality disorder, people just don't want to even put themselves out there at all. They are so it's like it's almost like it's a, having a phobia essentially. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it could be damaging to their, their livelihood, to their, their life, their, their career, their relationships. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, so much of, um, modern society, so much of modern life is based on social interaction. You, you absolutely have to interact socially to get 99% of the jobs out there. Right. And the fact is even, you know, even like park ranger, where you're going to walk around in the middle of a park all day, you still have to show up and interview for that job. And if you just start freaking out in your interview, you're probably not going to get hired, even if you would be the perfect park ranger. Right. Um, and you're clearly not going to have an easy time of having a relationship. So, yeah, I mean, if you cannot socialize, that is a tremendous disadvantage for you in life. Yes, very much so. You know, and I think that that's... You know, not so stepping away from the clinical for a minute, I think people who are just introverted people, like you mentioned, have a very difficult time developing in life through childhood and adolescence 
because it is so important to socialize. And not only that, but you have to learn how to socialize too. And if you're too anxious to try, then you'll never learn what the rules really are. Even if your parents and your friends and whoever are telling you the way you should be, maybe you don't have those friends in the first place. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, I mean, social interaction is such a tremendously important thing for personal development and success in society, just success, period. Mm-hmm. Yep. So how many people do you think in the general population have avoidant personality disorder? So that's a tricky question because like I said, there's a line that has to be treaded carefully between generalized anxiety versus avoidant personality disorder. Right. I would I would say probably I don't know. <laughs> it's tough because I wanted to say probably not many are actually diagnosable mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. um AVPD, but then again, there are a lot of people who I can think about who are so afraid of judgment. Um, I don't know. I would tend to think that true AVPD is probably about half or one third as prevalent as generalized anxiety. And generalized anxiety, I would say, is probably somewhere in the 15% range. So I'm going to start with a base number of five percent and come down from there to four percent so four to five percent final answer four percent okay yes okay according to the 2001-2002 national epidemiologic survey on alcohol and related conditions the prevalence of avpd is about 2.4 percent wow. okay <laughs> yeah yeah, and, and again, I think that makes sense because I think that it's really difficult to, without being in a clinical setting, to really see the difference between somebody who's just an introverted person versus someone who just has a generalized anxiety versus someone who actually is AVPD. Right. According to Retu et al., these extreme cases of AVPD are quite different than the ordinary shyness that is seen in approximately 40% of the population. What? Yes. 40%? 40% of the population is essentially shy, introverted people. I have a hard time believing that because at least half of people are just a-holes who are in your face 24-7. <laughs> So I can't believe that there's only a 10% margin before you get to people who could be defined as shy. <laughs> BS. I'm saying that should be 15%, maybe 20%. <laughs> now, admittedly, I would say that that number has probably gone up dramatically in the past few decades. Because going back 30 or 40 or 50 years before you had technology and social media and things that could distract you outside of interacting socially... You had to interact socially for entertainment, whereas I would say now it's so easy to just go to work or school, keep your head down, come home, and hop on your computer mm -hmm. or hop on your phone. Right. So I would tend to think that if that study doesn't say that that number has come up from something like 15 or 20 percent, then they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> It is also found that among those in outpatient treatment, approximately 3.6% have been diagnosed with AVPD. So these are people who have actually gone to some sort of psychiatric treatment. 
So 3.6% they have found in treatment. That's pretty close to four. Yes, it is. is. And it is also said that the prevalency between males and females is actually pretty equal. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I I would tend to, of course, just from from the hip, shooting from the hip, guess that it's more prevalent in females. But I guess when we're talking about this disorder, we're not talking about compensation we're talking about people who are who actually have the disorder i would tend to think that females would be more likely to for lack of a better word yeah i guess accept i i would think that females would be way more likely to accept it whereas males would be more likely to say no there's nothing wrong with me i just that guy's just an a-hole i don't want to hang out with him and then oh this other guy yeah he was a jerk and well that guy i just didn't like him right what then will we say is the prevalence among violent criminals I couldn't really find solid numbers. I could find some studies that gave information, which I will, of course, describe, but I couldn't really find solid numbers on this. Um, So we'll have to decipher what these studies are trying to say in regard to numbers. In a 2012 literature review by Davison and Jenka, they examined prior studies relating personality disorders among violent offenders. Roberts and Coed found that AVPD scores were associated with criminal damage, but negatively associated with firearm offenses. Furthermore, Francia et al. found that avoidant personality traits were higher in child molesters than they were in rapists, and were higher in these child molesters than in non-sexual offenders. So I found that to be interesting. And I think when I talk about what the causes could potentially be, I think that may correlate to the child molestation versus rape. And I assume what they mean by rape is is sexual assault of an adult versus a child. So it'll probably make a little more sense when we talk about what could potentially be a cause or a risk factor for AVPD. But I found interesting the positive association with criminal damage and the negative association with firearm offenses. Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. So this is this is a hard one. That's why it's so exciting. Um, <laughs> this is a hard one to pin down. Like when you were when you were talking about the prevalence among uh, violent offenders. Uh, you know, I was preparing to answer the question of how often do you think it is? And I was like, you know, I really don't know. Because on the one hand, if you don't like to be around people, then you're going to tend to isolate and therefore you're going to be less likely to be violent because you have to have people around you in order to do violence to them. Right. But at the same time, I could see that, again, because modern society kind of forces you into social interaction, really does force you into social interaction, that you're taking someone who really doesn't want to be in a situation and forcing them into the situation and thus driving them towards a violent reaction Mm -hmm. because they feel that they have no choice. Yeah. So it's hard to say. um, But I guess, you know, they're less likely to be uh, involved in violence involving firearms because I guess these are the kind of people that don't premeditate violence. You know, someone who is AVPD diagnosable, they don't really want to do violence. They just feel that they have no choice. I would imagine that more often than not, it's something that is not premeditated. And obviously, the use of a firearm is, by definition, something premeditated. I mean, A, how many people really do carry firearms in their daily life? Really not that many. 
um, especially not in certain geographic regions. Um, but then more importantly, those who do carry firearms among those who are responsible with them, there are people who will not immediately go to draw their gun on someone. Um, you know, if I'm in a parking lot and I'm, and I'm carrying concealed and like some kid comes up to me and just talking smack, I'm not immediately going to draw my gun on him. Now, if there are three or five or 10 of them and it's late at night and I'm the only one in the parking lot, maybe I will. But even at that, maybe I won't because then maybe I'm afraid that they're going to say, oh, now we got to get him. So yeah, I mean, coming back to that, I guess it makes sense that people who are AVPD diagnosable don't tend to be involved in firearms because simply because they tend not to premeditate violence, I would imagine. So then would you say that the, like, molestation and things like that would be crimes of opportunity in the, in a sense? I would say, if you were asking me for why I think they do have a tendency to be involved in those things more often than not, I would think that maybe it's just kind of a morbid fascination. The idea that they, they hate socializing so much but here's an opportunity to learn a little bit, you know? I mean, in the past, there have been serial... In, in the distant past, there have been serial killers who kill so that they can explore the human yes. body. They want to see what's inside. Right. Um, and so I would tend to think that maybe that's the case, that these people get involved in molestation because they're like, oh, here's an opportunity. It's just a weak little child that I can try this stuff on because i i hate the idea of doing this with adults mm -hmm. because they'll a know it's wrong b fight back uh you know and c you know tell everyone else what a freak i am mm -hmm. but some little kid i might be able to get away with this stuff right so that would be my assumption okay you know yeah hashtag not a psychologist <laughs> <laughs> Well, Hart et al. Found, also found in their 1993 study that 35% of the domestic violence abusers in their research met criteria for AVPD. 35%. Dutton et al. also found that this is a strong predictor of post-treatment abusiveness among two samples of male abusers. They believe that these types of abusers fall into the category of over-controlled and Dutton and Kerry found in their 1999 study that abusers with AVPD are more likely to murder their wives than abusers with more psychopathic features. That whole study, like, blew my mind. So this all came from one, like, literature review, and it had all of these different things in it um, to discuss domestic violence. So it seems to be very prevalent among male abusers and this one study by Dutton and Kerry found that those abusers with AVPD diagnoses are more likely to murder their partners yeah so I guess that makes kind of sense in in the way that I would imagine that those gentlemen uh, those people not gentlemen they're ales no. <laughs> uh, um, may have done that extreme violence because like i said they felt cornered however it is that they got into that marriage in the first place they probably shouldn't have been they may not have wanted to but maybe were forcing themselves into it because they were like well this is what normal people are supposed to do so that's what i'm gonna do 
And then however many years later, after suppressing what they really wanted, it, those negative thoughts and emotions just bubbled to the surface and, and resulted in a fight. And then the fight resulted in violence and the violence resulted in death. Right. Again, yeah. my, my totally amateur opinion. <laughs> yeah, no, it, that's, that's a good thought. So now that we know the prevalence, let's backtrack and discuss the possible causes of AVPD. Of course, like many other personality disorders, it is presumed that both genetic and environmental factors play a role in its development in an individual. And of course, we don't actually know what causes pretty much any psychiatric disorder. There's no one distinct thing that we can say, oh, that person has that. That means they're going to get whatever mental illness it is. So we have to play around with different studies and research it and see what, where people came from that developed it. So with that said, Reichborn Generud et al. performed a twin study in Norway in early uh, 2000s, finding a 35% genetic effect for the disorder, and also that 83% of these genes are also associated with other personality disorders. They didn't mention what gene it is, but they are saying that it is essentially a, a, a potential, potentially hereditary disorder. So they're finding that 35% of these twins had it and that 83% also with this particular genome also then had comorbidities of other personality disorders. So we still don't know where it comes from, but we can kind of gather that if somebody in the family has it, you might be at more risk of also having it. And that's that goes with a lot of um, disorders. And that could be because of the way that you're raised, or it could be because of genes. Um, you know, if somebody is an alcoholic, you know, you may have addiction in your genes, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to become an addict because of it being in your genes. However, it could also mean that if somebody's an alcoholic in your family, and that's what you live with day in and day out, it becomes normalized and you believe that that is the normal way to live. So you then, so then you become an alcoholic yourself. So you're predisposed to it in different ways. So again, it's, it's, it's a whole bunch of different things that are coming together. It's like the perfect storm to create somebody who then unfortunately develops some sort of mental illness. It has also been found in studies that low parental nurturing and childhood emotional abuse have also led to individuals developing avoidant personality disorder. Dutton, Starzomsky, and Van Ginkel also found that of abusers who have AVPD, they recalled more shaming experiences, including public humiliation and criticism by their parents as children. I thought that was key. Because if they are getting criticism already as a child on a daily basis from, again, the people who are supposed to support them the most and encourage them the most, 
they are then going to grow up to believe everyone is going to be criticizing them. Generally speaking, if you are brought up in a loving, encouraging home where you have parents saying, yes, you can absolutely do that. You are wonderful. Continue going down that path. Work harder. Get better. You're going to be great. They're usually going to be more successful. When you have a home life where your parents are telling you every day, you are ugly, you are worthless, you are not talented, you are not intelligent, you got a D in that uh, class because you're stupid, you're never going to amount to anything, uh, whatever it is, they're going to go through life thinking that's all true. So... It makes a lot of sense coming from a background like that to grow up to adulthood believing that everything you do is going to be criticized. So that's the piece, and I don't necessarily mean the criticism piece, but the piece of having your parents neglect you or or be emotionally unavailable. I think that's the piece that I see correlating most to the child molestation aspect of the violent offenders. Because they may relate to children more than they relate to adults. Because they didn't have that comfort and, and, and the intimacy that you're supposed to have as a child with your parent. So I kind of see it as they're trying to get that and they're going about it, obviously, in all the wrong ways. So I, I don't know. I mean, that's just my opinion. Again, like Dan says all the time, hashtag not a psychiatrist. <laughs> so that's my that's my opinion on on that kind of uh, correlation. And I'm going to bring it full circle when we talk about another piece of this. Yeah, I guess that makes sense, too. Um, you know, and, and I would even say that maybe because they these people tended to have poor relationships with their parents, this may even be like, like a cyclical thing where, you know, if your father was an alcoholic and came home and was abusive every night, you became an alcoholic and came home abusive every night. Um, it could be that these people felt so slighted by their parents that they fell into the same cycle. Yep. Yeah, that happens all too often. So absolutely. So who are some people who have been diagnosed with avoidant personality disorder? I have to say that I was actually surprised to find celebrities who have come out to say that they have the disorder and have been diagnosed with it. Um, I was not surprised to find a list of, you know, like murderers and stuff like that who also have it. Um, so we'll start with the, uh, with the with the bad people and then we'll go into the good people. Robert Farcarson, uh, an Australian man who was charged with and convicted of killing his three sons in 2005, had previously been diagnosed with AVPD. Farcarson and his wife, Cindy Gambino, married in 2000 had three sons by 2002, and amicably separated in 2004. 
He then had sought treatment for his mental illnesses and to deal with the separation and was prescribed medication. However, in 2005, he drove himself and his three sons into a farm dam where the vehicle filled with water and submerged. He was able to get out of the car, but unfortunately his three sons were not, and they ultimately drowned. Juanita Hoyt was also convicted of prolicide after killing her five children. For years, it was believed that her children had died of SIDS. However, after more than 20 years, Hoyt was arrested in 1994 for their murders. At the end of an interrogation by the police, she had confessed to having suffocated all five children, stating they had been crying and she wanted to silence them. She was later diagnosed by an expert for the defense, Dr. Charles Patrick Ewing, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. As having AVPD. She was convicted and sentenced in 1995 to 75 years to life in prison. So we have two murderers who killed their children. Which again brings me back to this morbid way of of thinking with with minors. Again, that earlier study that we talked about had said that there was a higher prevalence of people with AVPD as child molesters versus just, you know, general rapists. And now we're seeing that some of these people actually killed their own children. So it just kind of goes back to what is it with these innocent lives that's making these people think that that's, you know, they should take their violence out on them. However, as we state every Psyche Saturday, not everyone who has psychiatric disorders are violent. In fact, very few usually are. Actress Kim Basinger has also been diagnosed with AVPD. She was interviewed for the HBO movie Panic, a movie about coping, about her treatment and coping skills. She had said when she won her Oscar for LA Confidential, she had no idea what to say in her acceptance speech, even though she had rehearsed it for a few days just prior to the awards ceremony. She has been to therapy which is what she says is her main strategy of coping with and treating her illness. And you have to think the fact that she is an actress and it's literally her job to memorize lines, memorized her speech. But as soon as she got up on that stage and had to be live in front of a room full of thousands and then millions of people watching her live at home, she completely forgot what she was going to say because she had this moment of terror. And you compared it before to like a phobia. And yeah, that's the best example of comparing it to a phobia is in her case, obviously she's the kind of person who's around people all the time and interacts with people mm -hmm. all the time. Right. Um, but she had that moment where she just kind of locked up and that's what a phobia does. It suspends your logic right. and it suspends your your reason and your ration and your rationale 
because of some trigger. And, and that certainly sounds like that's what happened. She had this trigger that just locked her brain up. Right. Uh, so I also found that Donnie Osmond also was diagnosed with AVPD. And, and this is where we bring it full circle, Michael Jackson. And I say that because there is such a divide when it comes to Michael Jackson. Yeah, what list do you put him in? Exactly. You either think that he is completely innocent of what he was accused of, or you think he is guilty of what he was accused of. There's no, I don't know, maybe he could have been, I don't think so, but there's, you're either in camp one or camp two, and that's it. Did he suffer from avoidant personality disorder and it manifested into him actually molesting young people, as people have said, as he was accused of, as he went to trial for? Or did it just manifest into him not wanting to be in the spotlight, not wanting to associate with people, not wanting to interact with people, and trying to bring his childhood back by befriending young people. You know, where do yeah. we go with that? Where do we look at it? How do we see what this disorder did to him? Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's the thing about psychiatry is it's it really is all gray area, you know? It really is. I mean, occasionally you'll get something where you can just do blood work and see that some level is way off. Right. But 90% of the time, you're really in that gray area with, does this person have this disorder? Does he have that disorder? Is he otherwise, quote unquote, normal, but just a creep or, you know, or what? It's There's a lot of what could be this or it could be that in psychiatry and especially in psychology. So... Yeah, I mean, who's to say? Was Michael Jackson a totally stand-up guy and he had this battle in his brain? Or did he absolutely know what he was doing and know it was wrong and do it anyway just for his own sense of pleasure? It's Im it's impossible to say right now. Correct. It really is. Yeah. You know, maybe 500 years from now we'll be able to just scan the human brain and every little synapse that's firing and they'll just pop out with a diagnosis. Right. Uh, but we're not there yet. We're not. I just, I thought it was really, really interesting that he was on the list. And it just, like I said, it brings pretty much everything full circle. Yeah. And that's why this is such an interesting subject. And that's why I was so excited when you first told me about that we were going to be covering this subject today. Because had you said, here's this uh, psychiatric diagnosis called avoidant personality disorder. Now, how, like do you, how likely do you think that a known child molester is to have that disorder i'd have said oh zero percent because you obviously you obviously cannot avoid people right. and do a thing that requires direct interaction with people but now that we've gone through this whole episode i've really learned like yeah it, it actually makes a lot of sense yeah. that these people with this avoidant personality disorder often end up needing to directly interact with mm -hmm. people in unusual capacities right yes 
And, you know, we have said this before, but it just goes to show that a lot of these things develop because of the way we were treated in childhood. We really need to prevent these things from happening in childhood. We need to start understanding more about child psychology and about how to raise a child in a loving way. There are so many people who bring children into this world who are not ready to bring children into this world. And there are so many people who, you know, are in the foster care and adoption system who want to bring children into their homes so that they can treat them poorly because they have a psychological issue or they are just horrible people or whatever it may be. We need to be as a society, again, I'm going to keep bringing it back to society because that's that's really where it needs to be. We need to be more cognizant of what is happening at home for children. Because there are so many people who see but don't realize what they're seeing and turn a blind eye to it because they think, oh, it's just, you know, oh, you know, they maybe just really like that same t-shirt that they wear every single day. Or it could be that they literally have no other clothes or their parents aren't home to dress them and that's the only shirt they have available to them. We don't know. And we have to start looking into more of those things to be able to either get the child out of the situation that they're in if it is a poor situation or get the child help in some way and get the parents help in some way so that we don't end up having children grow up into adults who are not very successful in life, in society, in relationships, in careers, in every capacity. So, you know, it starts in, in childhood. It really, really does. And we, we need to just be on the lookout more for signs of distress in, in a child. Because maybe we can help prevent some of these things from happening. And as always, let's discuss a little bit about neurological conditions and the neuroscience that could contribute to the disorder. Lopez Rodriguez et al. have reported in their 1999 study that among individuals with epilepsy, 13% have AVPD. Furthermore, as we discussed with some other personality disorders, Van Riekum et al. found that 28% of individuals who have sustained a traumatic brain injury also suffer from AVPD. So, I mean, again, totally amateur opinion here, but I would guess that the people who have the epilepsy, I would think that that's more of a, more of a, I would tend to think that they develop AVPD because of the fact that they just don't socialize because of their condition rather than it being necessarily like a causal relationship quite possibly and i mean it is only 13 percent yeah whereas whereas i think that the correlation with traumatic head injury makes perfect sense as a causal thing i mean if if you've got damage to your brain then it's not going to work correctly right exactly and we've seen that with other disorders also 
yeah. the traumatic brain injury. Yeah. I mean, again, it depends on what area of the brain it is, how damaging it is, how significant it is, what time frame it was in your life. There's so much that goes into it. So, you know, it, it could it could cause a number of issues, um, including changing your personality. <laughs> you know, we hear of that all the time. That someone is completely different now after they've had a severe head injury. So it happens. It's true. It, it People's minds are altered. So that's it for avoidant personality disorder. It was an interesting one. I was, uh, yeah. I was, I was pleasantly unsurprised. I was <laughs> expecting this to be an interesting one coming into it. And, uh, it did turn out to be pretty interesting. Good. Well, I hope everyone at home also thinks it was an interesting one. Yeah, we hope you learned something and we yes. hope that, you know, with all these Psyche Saturdays, the goal is to educate people to be able to recognize people in their lives who may be, can benefit from some help. Yep, um, exactly. And so, yeah, if you've got some someone in your life who... They just don't like being around people all the time. Yeah, maybe they're just an introvert, but maybe they have a disorder and maybe they could use some help. Yep, exactly. Now, that doesn't mean you go run to this person right now and say, Sarah and Dan said you're a freak and you need need to get help. Please do not do that. (laughs) It just means that the next time you happen to see them and you happen to be in conversation with them, just have this in the back of your mind. Exactly. All right, so that's it for... uh for today's psyche saturday our first one of the cluster c's cool a whole new cluster a whole new cluster we have two more in the in the cluster c and then we're and then we're done with personality disorders and then we'll move on exciting point of view yes so i uh i hope you enjoyed and um we'll speak to you tomorrow (laughs) i don't know how to say that i guess that works we'll speak to you tomorrow yeah um with our regularly scheduled blackbird episode Speak you then. Bye.